0: Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students podcast. This week, Hannah Tom continued our series, Hear Me Roar, by looking at Daniel chapter 6. She helped us see that a practice of prayer brings peace, even in the toughest of life circumstances. Daniel was in a literal lion's den, yet was able to find peace because of the relationship he built throughout his life with his faithful God. Listen along for how you too can experience peace in the toughest seasons of life. We hope you enjoyed this message. Hi, how are y'all doing today? Good. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Hannah. I'm one of the interns, specifically with the high school, but we get to hang out with y'all too. Who do I know so far? Who went to park day? That was fun. Who went to serve day? I wasn't there, but I saw you afterwards. Who was it both? Yeah, a few of y'all. Sweet. Well, if you don't know me yet, I have a little bit of stuff to introduce myself. I have some funny pictures. So I'm from Wisconsin. It's the state that looks like this, right? Super cold. So you know how sometimes your phones overheat like here in the hot when you put them in the sun? They turn off when it's cold too. It turned off like five minutes after this picture was taken. That's me and two of my friends bundled up. It was like negative five degrees outside or something. And my phone shut off. And it's me and my sister She's two years younger than me. We both had little bull cuts right there. Wearing a cute lion sweatshirt foreshadowing our message today. That's me and my sister and my dad. My parents are divorced. This was this past Christmas time. We all went to pizza. And that's me and my mom and my sister at the fair in Wisconsin. We look a lot alike. I don't know if you could tell. That's me... Eighth, ninth grade, right before a Jonas Brothers concert. Any Jonas Brothers fans? No? First service had a good handful. All right. Never mind. Softball. I played softball for a really long time. That was me in fifth grade. Anyone play softball? Baseball? Yeah, there's a few. All right, sweet. Same sport. I also played flute for a very long time. My sister played violin there. That was us not posing for mom's pictures. I don't know if anyone else doesn't pose for mom's pictures. So yeah, I started playing flute in like fourth grade, all the way through my freshman year of college. So that was like nine years of playing the flute. Is anyone else in band or orchestra? For those of you in band, who's in marching band? Or not yet, is that in high school? Is anyone in eighth grade? in band, or in eighth grade in general. (laughs) Sweet, yeah. So, summer before my freshman year of college, so I just finished eighth grade, that's when they would start bringing up, like, the kids in band to be in the marching band. We didn't get to wear, like, the full uniform, you know what I'm talking about, like, the funny ones. My high school's mascot was the Highlander, so like, we had to wear like these kilt things. It wasn't a skirt, because we also had pants on, but, <laughs> but we would wear like a kilt because our thing was the Highlander. But in eighth grade, they would just give us a t-shirt that said Homestead High School Band. And <clears throat> I remember I was super proud of the fact that I was in band. I just loved the fact that that was a thing that I did that I was a part of, and that I got to hang out with these people all the time. But going into high school, that meant that you couldn't go to the football games. Who goes to public school? Do you have, like, a football team and, like, games that you can go to and stuff? In middle school is when, like, you start going to them, but in high school is when, like, it's a big deal. So my friends, they went to, like, the summer before high school is when we started going to those games. But I had to go march with the marching band. So I couldn't go with them because I had to be with the band the whole entire first half. And then i do the the halftime show, and then afterwards you would go like hang out with your friends or leave if you wanted to. Usually I left because I didn't like watching football, I'm not going to lie. And this one time though, I remember it was the very first time that I got to march with the marching band, I came to find my friends afterwards and I was really excited because I was proud of this. I was proud of this thing that I did that I thought I was good at or whatever. And then when I found them, I had four friends, their names were Amy, Emily, Julia, and Kelly. They were standing there like, like this when I came up. I was like, "Do you guys see it? Do you see me? Like the halftime show? Do you guys watch it?" They were like, "Yeah, but are you always gonna be in the marching band? Like, you're always gonna be doing that, and not like in the stands over here where like all the the cool people, like the cool people are, you know?" I was like, "I mean, yeah, I love marching band. I'm not gonna quit it." They were like, So you're never gonna be at a game with us. Like you're gonna be with with those people over there. Like this is this is where all the cool people are over here. And that's the first time I felt like I was like really like, and all of them were there. Like I still have it in my mind, like behind the bleachers, like right at like when everyone's getting snacks after the halftime show, before the second half starts, them all standing there, like not even looking me in the eye because they were like ashamed to be friends with me, and I felt like I was cornered. Like they all just wanted me to quit band. They were like. This isn't cool. You've got to, like, stop doing this. So I don't know if anyone else had a similar experience, if you're thinking of something right now. If you are or if you've had that experience, take one minute to share it with a friend and share how you felt in that moment. Go. Sweet. All right. As we pull it back together, um, continuing on in that story for me. So eventually, like, I just didn't really hang out with those friends very much anymore, and I got this, this really awesome friend named Karen. And Karen was great because on the band trips, because my high school was really competitive about everything, so for the band trips we would do like competitions sometimes and compete with other marching bands and stuff, and you'd have like a two-hour long bus ride. I don't know if you remember when they introduced me, I said I loved to play Pokemon in the summers in middle school. I really loved playing Pokemon in the Nintendo DS, so me and Karen would play Pokemon together like on the buses, but that was just on the buses. Then one time in class, freshman year of high school, which a few of you might be going into this next coming fall, I remember Karen brought it up and she was talking about Pokemon at like our little like, table of desks. You know how they arranged them in like, those islands? And I was like, I was this person. Though. I was like, Karen, we don't talk about Pokemon in class. We're like, we're in high school now. We gotta be cool. And all of a sudden, I went from being this person to being this person just like that because those like four people around me made me feel like I had to join them. But the cool thing about Karen was she was so bold. And she looked at me when I said, like, Karen, we can't do that. That's not cool. And she said, I don't care. (laughs) Because she was simply bold and exactly who she was and who she was made to be. And that's the series we're in right now is boldness. And we've been reading in Daniel. So today's specific topic in boldness, is how to find peace in the pit, because we're talking about Daniel in the lion's den, when he was surrounded by lions in the pit. So, if you have your Bibles or your phone and a Bible app on, open up to Daniel 6. I'm going to catch us up really quick, and then we'll get into it. So, we're in Daniel 6. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about 1 through 9 right now. So, who remembers what we talked about last week, what Joshua spoke about? Yes, sir? The fiery, the fiery furnace. That is right. And Daniel found boldness when he went into the fiery furnace with his friends, with his community, with his people. That's how they did it. And what were their names? We had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. Or if you know them by their tail names, same concept. He had these great friends, and they all went into the fire together as community. This week... We are caught up, and we have a different king. So the king over them then was? Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, or King Nebi, as Dallas dubbed him, King Nebi. In between then and now, there was also another king named King Belshazzar. When I was reading, I, I called him King Belly, King Nebi, King Belly. And then now we are on to six, where Darius is crowned king. So Darius is the new king, and he's maybe like, What? King Darius, we'll call him King Darius. So we had King Nebi, King Belly, King Darius. So King Darius, King Derry, is like 60-something years old. He's a fresh new king. At the end of chapter 5, right before chapter 6, they crowned him king. And Daniel's pretty old, too, if you think about it. This is like, you know, the third kingdom in line. So Daniel is about 70 or 80, the books say, at this point. And... Um, Along with the kingdom, King Darius inherited also like a trust in Daniel because every single one of these kings so far has learned that Daniel's faithworthy, faithworthy. He's trustworthy. He's faithful, and he's just—he's a good guy all around. I think verse three literally says that um, that people just like Daniel because of his excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit within him. So King Darius trusts him because. Daniel has just been faithful this whole entire time. Through all of these kings, Daniel's been trustworthy. So, Darius trusts Daniel because all of these other kings were like, This dude is awesome. This dude's great. We trust him. We love him. He's good to go. Believe in him. He's awesome. So, King Darius, he's up here. He's like the king of the land, right? One through nine explains that he has three high officials. So, one, two, three. And one of those three is Daniel. So Daniel's one of the high officials, and then the third layer underneath them is 120 governing officials that are called satraps. That's the word in my Bible for them. But they're like governors of the land, and above them is one, two, three, Daniel being one of them, and above them is King Darius. The thing is, King Darius loves Daniel, so he is thinking about promoting him. He wants to make him another level higher. But those 120 satraps, they're like... these. 120 of these governing officials, all of them, were like, but this dude is in exile from the other land. Like, why would he get the promotion? We should, we should gang up against him. We should, like, figure out a way to take him down, you know? So they, they open their books, and they're like, metaphorically, and they're like, the only problem is, Daniel's done nothing wrong until this point. Literally nothing, like it's spotless, it's clean. Verse 3 says he had an excellent spirit in him, like he'd been faithful until this point. The only time when he swayed was when it was regarding his faith in God. Because his faith was what would take precedence over the law every single time for Daniel. We saw that in chapter 1 with the food laws. But the thing was, he asked the king. He asked the king if he could eat different food than they ate because it didn't go along with what his God told him to eat. And then in chapter 3, he was like, no, I'm not bowing down. I'm not worshiping that gold idol. And that's when he went into the furnace. So they noticed that along the line, the only times in which Daniel swayed was when it was worshiping his God instead of their king or their gods. And that's what they're going to run with. And that's exactly what they're going to do. So what they do is they write up this document. It's called an injunction in my Bible. It might say the same word in yours. And it's basically an ordinance that will say that um, if you're worshiping any god other than our gods, you're going to be thrown into a pit of lions. And King Darius, even though he loves Daniel and he's faithful and he wants to promote Daniel, he doesn't make the connection that being a new king, these 120 officials who want to take Daniel down are tricking him. They're tricking this new king into signing this paper. That's going to put Daniel in the pit. But the king doesn't catch that, and he signs it. He signs this injunction. The only problem is, the way they wrote it is so that it can't be revoked. So like even though Darius is the king, after this after this point in which he signs it, it's like a document of the menace and the Persians, which means... No matter what he does now, it's official. He can't overturn it. He can't go back on it, even though he's the king. And that's a big problem. So at this point, the documents sign, and they're about to take Daniel down, and he's about to be thrown into the lion's den. But first, let's get a little look at what these lions may or may not look like. I think we got a video. Yeah, cliffhanger. It's kind of funny because they're filming from inside the car because they know they're safe, right? I thought that was funny with all the GoPros because they know ultimately, like, they can lock their door, they can drive away, but they're just filming it. So that was kind of like a playful example of what the lines would look like. But realistically, Daniel number one does not have a GoPro (laughs) or a phone or a car to keep him safe. What does he have? He does have God, that's true. All right, so... I think we've got the verses for 10 to 18. If you have your Bible and are following along, we're starting in 6 verse 10. I'm going to read the next eight verses. So we're picking up where I left off. The document was just signed, and they're about to trap Daniel. So, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Then these men came by in agreement and found Daniel making petition and a plea before God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the medicine Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, O oh king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored until the sun went down to rescue him, because he realized what had just happened. Then these men came in agreement to the king and said to the king, "'Know, O king, that it is a law of the medicine of the Persians "'that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed.' "'Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. "'And the king declared to Daniel, "'May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you.' "'And a stone was brought and laid to the mouth of the den, "'and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of the Lord's, "'that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel.'" Then the king went into his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Did anything stick out to anyone about that? Yes, ma'am? He did. That's important. Darius acknowledged God and kind of prayed to him in that moment to deliver Daniel. Anyone else? Anything significant? How about this? Who's worried right now? Daniel's getting cast into the den of lions, but who's worried about him? Say it out if you know it. Darius. Darius. You saw those lions, and those weren't even the ferocious kind. The ferocious kind, who's seen, like, Animal Planet? Those ones? Have you seen, like, some of the predator ones where they're, like, you know, full force charging, like, attacking? Those are the kind that are attacking or going to attack Daniel. So why isn't he scared? Why isn't he worried? Why is King Darius the one fasting, not sleeping, praying over him, freaking out, trying to deliver him? How old is Daniel? 70 or 80? He is pretty old. How long has he been praying three times a day? (laughs) You're not good at math. A long, long time. A very long time. I'm not good at math either. I don't know that number. But he's been praying three times a day his whole entire life. Do you think that's why he might be at peace right now? Why we're not hearing from Daniel? What's the only thing he actually did in this chapter, that, in this like part that we read? Can we pull it back up? Maybe the first part. In this section, the only thing Daniel did after knowing, it says he knew that the papers had been signed, was he prayed just as he had before and got down on his knees three times. That's what Daniel did. He didn't do anything else to try and free himself, but just prayed to his God, even though he knew it. And he did it with the windows open. He wasn't even scared. He was like, I'm going to do this. I believe in my God and I'm going to do it boldly. I know that you're going to find me, but I'm going to do it with the windows open and pray anyways so everyone can see that I believe that my God is going to save me. Because the thing is, if you think about it, didn't the king like Daniel, King Deary? He was a fan of him. He inherited this trust in him. And Daniel liked him too, but the thing was, he knew. That even though this king was behind him, he backed him up. He cared about him. He was like, "This guy's awesome. Daniel's great." He knew the only person he could still trust in was his God. So I've got a, a cute alliteration for us: a practice of prayer brings peace. If we have that one, um, but that's basically what was put into action here. Put into action here is that Daniel's been practicing prayer his whole entire life. And that's why he's at peace right now, because he trusts his God is going to deliver him. Because how do you get good at a sport? How do you get good at an instrument? How much practice? (laughs) A lot. Pretty much a whole lifetime. someone who's really good at a sport, when did they probably start playing it? Three is what I think of, because I remember in fourth grade when I, no, third grade, third grade I really wanted to start playing a sport, but the only one I could still join was softball. My parents didn't like, you know, make me go play any sports, but in third grade I was like, I really want to do one, let me play a sport. But everyone else had started playing at age three, so they were already, you know, miles ahead of me, so I couldn't even start. I really wanted to play soccer, but it was too late, so I joined softball. What? Oh, I know. <laughs> it was like, let me in it. But So that's what's important about this, is Daniel's been practicing prayer. He didn't just jump in and pray right when he needed God. He'd been praying all along so that when this happened, he would be at peace and know that he would be safe. Who wants to volunteer to read something? <laughs> yeah? Do we have a volunteer? Oh, okay. Can we get Psalm 55, 17 through 18? Evening and morning at the noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. Thank you very much. Many. So in Daniel's case, that was 120 In middle school for me, that was four girls who were not very nice who wanted me to quit band. I don't know what many is for you, but I would keep that in mind, that this was spoken in past tense. The battles waged against me, and I was kept safe. All right, now I think we're going to pick it back up and see what happens in the rest of the story in verse 19, if you're following along. I think we've got it for the screen. Yeah, we do. All right, 6 verse 19. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of our living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And then the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel... 120 of them were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. So, yeah, I know, brutal ending there, yeah. But the point is, Daniel was found blameless Even though technically he had like originally broken the law, he still did as the law said and went without complaint into the den of lions. So he went into the opposition and he knew that he was going to go in there too when he prayed. And yet he still chose to praise God instead of follow like the law right underneath God. He praised God instead and went into the Den of Lions, knowing that. And he was kept safe and found blameless because he did as the law said. The law said: if you pray, you go into the den. But the thing is, he didn't die because God kept him alive, because he trusted God, and through that, he found peace. And he was bold and in two with those open windows. Now, who gives us peace today? What's the difference between then and now? What has happened? That's true. Who said that? We have Jesus. Yes, sir. Right. Does anyone volunteer to, read to, volunteer to read the next section? Nice. I think we got it. Romans 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we have rejoiced in our sufferings, knowing that that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Thank you. So notice the progression in that. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Endurance. That's, for Daniel, 80 years of endurance that gave him peace. 80 years of living under... A king who does not believe in the same God as him, which was probably not easy, which is why he prayed three times a day, every single day, with the windows open. And that's what saved him. And the cool thing is, we have Jesus who saved us. So you just have to invite him to be a part of your life and practice a life with Jesus which isn't super easy. That's why it gives you this list of what's about to happen. You're going to suffer, which will produce endurance, which will produce character, which will produce hope. And in that, you can all have peace and trust and know that God's going to protect you because he gave you Jesus, and the evidence is all right in here. So, we've got a couple questions for you guys today. And I want you to think about this, though, before we go to the questions. Your challenge for the week is to boldly choose to walk with Jesus with the windows open and pursue a position of peace alongside Jesus. And that's the only place you're really going to find it is if you walk with Jesus. I think we've got about six minutes for questions, and we have three questions. If you want to get into groups of five or six. So we have the questions on the screen. So the questions are going to be, which person in this story are you? Who do you identify with? Do you feel like you're surrounded right now in the den? Do you feel like there's people coming at you from all sides? Or maybe you're the person with your arms crossed looking in at someone and you have to recognize that that's you. Or maybe you are King Darius and you've been tricked because you're not putting your faith in the right God. And then question number two when you get to it is where slash who are you or Where or who do you misplace your trust in? And then eventually the third one is, what opposition are you facing? And how can you actively and boldly invite Jesus in as your peace?